Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on your home of the plethora of programming, CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I'm coming to you from the mobile studio this morning, and boy do we have a lot to talk about. The elimination race at Bristol, um, you know. Uh, another first-time winner this season. Um, one that had gone 222 races between their first win and their win at Bristol, which was Christopher Busher. Uh, spoiler for later in the episode, we'll talk about that, of um, RFK Racing. And... Uh, but that brings a pop quiz nose this week. Which is the longest span in NASCAR history for a driver between wins? And uh, no, it's not Christopher Bush, but it's pretty close. Uh, we'll have an answer at the end of the show. Um, but uh, yeah, so Christopher Busher, who. Um, drives for RFK Racing, picks up his second career win um, at Bristol in a race that was such, it, it was good and bad, but it was an elimination race, so there was a lot of pressure on it, but we had a whole weekend of racing, we had ARCA, um, the Xfinity Series, the Trucks, and the Cup Series. Then we had, you know, still more fallout out of the Kyle Busch announcement, you know, uh, how that's going to go for the rest of the season, uh, both with the 18 and obviously with the, um, the eight cars. But, uh, yeah, so let, let's start with... Um, I haven't watched the truck race, the ARCA race, but Sammy Smith, a uh, Toyota contracted driver, um, picked up the win in the TMC uh, trucking uh, Toyota there for um, KBM Motorsports. Um, in the toy, he's an up and coming Toyota driver um, with. Uh, ties to TMC Trucking and the uh, the Pilot Flying J uh, Circle of Gas Stations, much like Michael and Nat. I don't know if there's a if there is a, a family connection between Michael and Nat and Sammy Smith. I'd be interesting if there was, but um, I don't know, so I can't really speculate on that. But it was good to see Sammy Smith do that. He would compete um, later on in the weekend at Bristol. But we move on to the trucks. And what a time to pick up your first win. And your first win in NASCAR. And this is a name that, you know, has been around for years in the circuit. He's still a young guy, but he'd been around for years. Drove for uh, Roush and all. And that is Ty Majeski. Ty Majeski picks up his first Truck Series win, driving 
the number 66 for Thor Sport Racing in their fourth truck. And uh, I will say this was a little bit of a surprise, but not much um, because Majeski came up through the short tracks um, and was an iRacing driver. And like I said, he drove for Roush back in the day through their a partial season through their Xfinity program. He's bounced around to different programs, I believe, at one point. He drove for uh, Junior Motorsports in their late model program, which, you know, is, is, is a pretty good deal. You know, that's where we got Josh Berry from, um, Carson, um, Carson Kloppel is running down there, and I think he's going to be a future can't-miss talent. Uh, so there's going to be a, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of good talent that, that's come out and um Ty Majeski is one of those and he picks up his first win of the season now this is a driver who I thought would actually pick up their first win much after uh Carson Hosevar picked up his uh, but Ty Majeski advances to the next round of the truck series playoffs um and uh really uh has a lot of pressure off you know the next couple of truck races as they as the rest of them jockey down to get from 12 to 4 in that playoff battle. Uh, 12 to 8, then eventually to 4, going into the homestead, going into the Phoenix race. So we have that. Uh, Xfinity, um, we would see Noah Gregson once again pick up his sixth win of the season. Um, Taking the lead in wins in that series for the season. Uh, one more than Ty Gibbs has. And I'm going to be honest with you. With this late season surge uh, that Majeski has been on. Uh, that um, Gregson's been on. Sorry. Uh, that Noah Gregson's been on. He right now is my odds on favorite for the Xfinity Series title. Not, not saying that. Any of the other drivers can pull it off, but uh, this is looking really good for Gregson. He's getting hot at the right time, um, and he's really putting pressure on all the other drivers and teams, whether it be uh, his teammates at Junior Motorsports like uh, Justin Allgaier or Josh Berry. Um, he, he's just really stepping it up, and I'm, I've been really impressed um, with him over this stretch of races. Not just how he's racing, but um, his finishes, but actually how he is kind of conducting himself. And I'm wondering if that is has to do a lot with the announcement that he will be going cup racing full-time for the Rookie of the Year spot um, in for Petty GMS. You know, maybe, you know, He's added a little bit of uh, decorum to his uh, his um, how should you say a little bit of decorum to his character. And uh, I did notice that he did cut his hair when they made the Petty GMS announcement. I got a laugh. Uh, no longer that that little kind of mullet thing that he had. That he's cleaning himself up, being presentable and. Uh, it doesn't really take away from the Noah Gregson character person. 
um, that you know has fans divided but I think that uh, it takes away the distraction of Noah Gregson you can see him more as a racer instead of a, a polarizing figure um, but the big part of the weekend was the um, the Bristol night race the um, Bass Pro Shops Bristol night race uh, a, a long tradition night and trust me I've been to this night race multiple times um, in the early 2000s uh, been to Bristol multiple times and this is the first time really in years that I can remember so much hype on this uh, it was an elimination race uh, you had the race move from the end of August into September, uh, where I thought the crowds would dwindle down, but they showed up in force for this race, a race that was the, the first with the next-gen car on the concrete, and it really did not disappoint. Um, passing wasn't as strong as it normally would be at a place like Bristol um, but you had a lot of drama and that was due to mechanical failures tire failures a big wreck at one point um, I think at one point they said 12 of the 16 cars that are in the playoff chase going into this race found themselves in some kind of trouble um, you know and only four of them skated by it started off with Ryan Blaney who had a tire go down breaking a toe link going multiple multiple laps down um, multiple cars were caught up in a in a wreck that saw uh, Austin Dillon taken out along with other drivers getting damage, Daniel Suarez would have issues, uh, I mean there were just so many drivers that had issues and it was undetermined who was going to move on who would be the final driver to move on to the next round until just a few laps to go when Kyle Busch who two thirds of the way through the race would lose an engine um, was still above the cut line for points and this is after he was already you know, below the cut line prior to the race. So, I mean, yeah, this is insane. I mean, this, I'd never seen anything like this before. Um, but uh, the four drivers that would miss the race, and this was pointed out by good friend of the show, Ed Ballow, and it's the same thought that I had. The four drivers that all missed the race have a Richard Childress connection. Um, both the current um, Childress drivers, uh, Austin Dillon and uh, <clears throat> Tyler Reddick, uh, both uh, both had damage from from that crash and um, would not finish the race. Uh, next year's driver of the eight car, fresh off the announcement. Um, we would see the announcement of the year in the world of NASCAR would see um, Kyle Busch lose a motor 
the second motor that the, that the 18 car has lost in the last three races. And Kevin Harvick, who was up there competing, who had the longest shot out of all the drivers to win at Bristol, he would um, he would pretty much his shot at winning would go out the window when a the studs on his left front tire did not all interlock and he started to drive down pit road and lose the tire which has yet to be seen whether Rodney Childers and the team would um, be penalized uh, with a four-week vacation. Uh, very disappointed Harvick as he did have a strong car all race. Uh, he was actually in the top four when the final pit stop of the race happened. Um, and had actually had a faster pit stop and a faster time on pit road. Uh, and this wasn't a, a pit crew issue. Um, as for a long time, the Achilles heel of Kevin Harvick has been pit stops in his pit crew. But this was not a pit crew thing. I initially thought this was more on Harvick. Uh, trying to race off pit road and be first. But... What had happened was, um, after seeing the tweet and the video, that this um, definitely was a, I don't want to say mechanical issue, um, but this was an equipment issue that caused the tire to not attach correctly to the hub. Uh, so, we'll, we'll see if Rodney Childers gets a four-week vacation with this and a fine. Um, but... Uh, with that all said, we have um, those four drivers um, missing the race. And like I said, they all have that weird RCR connection. So it, it's kind of odd. And it was Austin Sindrick, who very late in the race, so with a lot of damage, uh, was able to advance uh, to the next round by two points, which he came into the race two points ahead of the cutoff line. Um, but it was Christopher Busher who went 222 races since his last win um, many years ago at Pocono in that range-shortened race. Um, Front Row Motorsports, the second ever win in the series. Uh, he goes back to victory lane, and I was very, very happy for that. Um, Busher, who's been close throughout the years. Um, who could forget last year at Daytona, um, he initially was runner-up, but had passed under the um, the double yellow line and was penalized. Um, not passed, but he was disqualified, finished last. Take that back. He was disqualified and finished last for an infraction um, found during post-race inspection. And um, RFK Racing especially with Busher, has made improvements this year. Not so much with Keselowski, but Busher has been kind of the lead car for that team. So it's no surprise that the 17 car made it to victory lane before uh, Brad Keselowski in the six. And it was really good, really cathartic. I've been a fan of Busher for a while. I uh, kind of was a little ho-hum on the idea of him going back to Roush Fenway years ago. Um when they pulled him back in for that team. 
after being out on loan to um, uh, the forty, the third, what was then the thirty-seven car, and uh, so um, really, really happy for that. Really disappointed that um, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch were both eliminated. There's three championships and a hundred and twenty. 20 Cup Series wins between the two of them, and they won't be advancing um, to the round of 12. And what a round of 12 we have coming up. We have Texas this coming weekend, then Talladega, then the Roval at Charlotte. So three different tracks that are certainly um, tracks that... uh, you could say, are very, very different from one another, uh, very unique. So that's going to create an extra challenge for those uh, 12 drivers, along with the rest of the field. So um, really looking forward to that. Uh, But boy, do we have some news. Um, Obviously, we have the news that Kyle Busch will be going to the 8 car. We discussed that on the last episode. Um, that Tyler Reddick will be in a yet unnamed uh, third RCR car. Now, there's still rumors out there that 2311 could buy out his contract, put him in a Toyota. Um, but right, as of right now, I'm not seeing that happen. There's still, I, I, I love the rumor, and this was speculated on the um, Dale Jr. download that there was the possibility of. Kyle Busch and RCR buying the number 51 for um, Kyle. And it seemed a little far-fetched, but it might not seem as far-fetched. And the reason for that is Rick Ware Racing has two charters uh, for their teams. Uh, And obviously we have, you have to, the rule with the charters is... um, after, I believe, three years, if your team is below the top 30, uh, you know, in points for, I believe it's two or three consecutive seasons, NASCAR has the right to rescind that charter and resell it. Um, now, the Rick Ware team, it is very possible that they can um, rescind on that um that charter and resell it um, for what fair market value is, or they could lease it out. There is the possibility of them leasing out that charter and possibly acquiring the number 51, uh, which is the same number Kyle runs in the truck series uh, with his truck team. It was his, I don't want to say his initial number, but it it's the number besides the 18 that he's the most closely associated with and um, go with that. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. I apologize for that. <laughs> ah. Ah, fall in Maine. Rainy fall in Maine at that. But um, getting back to uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, this would be a great coup to kind of establish that and to kind of get away from 
the eight car. This would be their third driver in the last five years. Uh, when the eight car came about, uh, it was Daniel Hemrick for a year. Uh, then after Hemrick was released, or not re-signed, I should say, uh, with the eight car, it would go to Tyler Reddick, and from there would move over to uh, now Kyle Busch. And I think that um, with the way the Reddick situation has played out, I think it would be a good time, a fresh start, completely fresh start for them to possibly move to a different number, whether they bring back the 31, um, which was... Uh, the eight car's original number, going all the way back to 1996 when Mike Skinner was driving it. Actually, longer than that, uh, the first appearance of the 31 car for RCR was with the late Neil Bonnet during the 1993 season, where he would run two races, one at Talladega, where he had that infamous flip, and one again at Atlanta, where... Uh, Dale Earnhardt would capture his sixth championship. Um, and unfortunately, that next February, we would lose um, Neil Bonnet in a practice crash at Daytona. Uh, then it would sit dormant for years until Mike Skinner would drive it. Uh, Skinner would drive that and be and be the first rookie, well, the second ever rookie to um, sit on the pole for the Daytona 500. Uh, it's been done a few times since, uh, but he would be the second ever rookie to do that. Uh, then it would go to Robbie Gordon. Then after Robbie Gordon, it would end up uh, with um, Jeff Burton and later on. Brian Newman, uh, and who could forget Newman uh, finishing uh, runner-up for the 2004 title in a win-or-get-in type deal, elimination type deal, and uh, he hadn't won a race all season. He was just very consistent. Um, so, I mean, the 31 is certainly an option if they do bring back a number. The 33, which has been used off and on. Uh, throughout the years with um, RCR on a part-time deal, you know, with drivers like uh, Kerry Earnhardt, Austin Hill earlier this year made his NASCAR Cup debut, um, Ty Dillon um, in a car at Pocono many years ago with the Youngling sponsorship, Youngling Beer, uh, and probably one of my favorite looking cars, uh, the the Youngling American flag car. Uh, I actually have that in a case on my wall in my hallway. Because uh, that's how cool that car looked. And a very unique one. And and I like Youngling, so <laughs> that, there that goes. But, um, so the 31, the 33, obviously the 51 might be an option if they could get it from Rick Ware Racing. Um, but... As of right now, uh, nothing set in stone, but there's been an interesting little caveat um, about this whole thing, and that is Kyle uh, Kurt Busch is still scheduled, um, contracted to return to uh, the 45 car um, after his um, 
once he is cleared to go racing. Uh, so he is still scheduled in that 45 car uh, for next year. Uh, currently, Bubba Wallace is running it while Ty Gibbs is running the 23. Now, most likely, even though it has yet to be announced, is that Ty Gibbs will be taking over the 18 car in 2023. Um, as he's been running um, the partial season in the Cup Series. But if Kurt Busch is not able to return and decides to retire at the end of the 2023 season, Toyota has a driver already in the pipeline. A uh, driver that signed a contract with Toyota a few years ago, and that is John Hunter Nemechek. As Nemechek will be testing um, at Homestead in a tire test for uh, the Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan-owned team. And he is actually on the list, the short list of drivers to fill in um, Bush's spot next year uh, with that team as a stopgap for Reddick if they are unable to come to an agreement to buy him out, um, which might, might not happen. I'm still 50-50 on this deal. And the fact that um, There's still a little, I think, a little animosity there between Reddick and Childress. Um, we'll see how the rest of the season approaches for the eight car as they've been eliminated from the title. Uh, we already know that with Kyle Busch, they've already swapped his pit crew and Denny Hamlin's pit crew to give um, the 11 team a better chance at winning the title. Um I don't think it's really, I think the pit crews are about even. Um, I don't know if they're switching crew chiefs. They might. Uh, but Denny seems to be working well with his his uh, crew chief and his pit crew. And I think that would be a disservice to swap them this late in the season. Uh, knowing that, um, that there's that. But uh, there's a lot of interesting pieces going on. Because like I said... John Hunter is scheduled for a tire test, and this has been a long rumor, uh, as he will not be going to KBM when they go to run Chevys. Um, and I'm going to throw one more rumor out there. If Ty Gibbs does not get the 18 car next year, if uh, his grandfather Joe Gibbs decides to have him run one more season in the Xfinity Series, which was the initial plan, uh, as told to the press, months ago that John Hunter will more than likely get the seat in the 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing uh, for the season, holding that spot open for um, Ty Gibbs in 2024. Uh, I think I think that will be I don't think that'll be that much of a step down. That'll take a lot of the pressure off Ty. I mean, granted, he'll be running, you know, he'll have a half a year under his belt um, moving on to that. But I think that that will be something. And John Hunter, you know, he's certainly won in the truck series. He's won in the Xfinity series in the past. Um, and I think when he was running for front row 
Yeah, he was probably one of the better drivers that they've had come through that team. Um, I know that they've had David Reagan and Christopher Busher and obviously Michael McDowell last year's Daytona 500 winner win for that team. But um, John Hunter was doing better than what his equipment had allowed in multiple of the races. I think he had like multiple top tens for that team uh, before being released for you know, not being renewed for, um, or not re-signing with the team, um, and the team signing Anthony Alfredo in 2021, which I think was a step back, uh, for front row. I think John Hunter could have been a driver that you could build around, uh, given time, uh, especially with the fact that this is a guy whose cup, his truck series career started with a family-owned team on a smaller budget, and he was able to win multiple races uh, with this smaller budget, um, family-owned team, uh, much like his father did in, in the early '90s, back in the Bush series. You know, front row Joe being the 1992. Uh, then Bush Series champion, and um, making a whole career out of it, you know. Not a bad career, but not quite a Hall of Fame career, but uh, certainly, you know, when you win from multiple teams and, you know, multiple polls, you know, that certainly goes along, you know, you're doing better than 90% of the field that has yet to win a Cup Series race. So, you know, John Hunter is going to be another interesting cog in everything that goes on. So I think we're going to see a lot more of his name mentioned, um, along with um, how Kurt Busch, you know, whether he'll be ready by Daytona. Um, he'll be a key in what happens with that 18 car and the 45 car. And, and it'll have an effect, whether it's, you know, Tyler Reddick being, you know, moved over to uh, Toyota a year early. Now, a very interesting part is what this does to the Toyota pipeline. Because, as I explained before, um, Joe Gibbs Racing, their their drivers seem to have a shelf life. Um, Denny Hamlin is obviously the longest tenured driver, I believe, in the history of the team. Uh, a team that dates back to 1992. So, I mean, the team's been around for long enough now that you should have, you know, a, a litany of drivers who have had some long tenures there. I know Tony Stewart was there for, doing the math in my head, he was there for eight years. Uh, Bobby Labonte, about the same amount of time. Um, and those two are Hall of Famers, you know, they're, they're, I think Bobby would have had a Hall of Fame career, um, you know, he could have had a Hall of Fame career anywhere he went, um, you know, then you had Carl Edwards and Matt Kenseth, who both defected from Roush and went there and won multiple, multiple races and, you know, have been championship contenders and, Granted, I think Matt would have had a Hall of Fame career, you know, through his through his 
time at Roush Racing, but you know he extended his career. Uh, and in one in one pretty you know was a pretty big driver driving for um, uh, JGR until he was released. Um, obviously Edwards's retirement you know is still after all these years there's still a little bit of speculation and conjecture. But you had f four guys who are in the Hall of Fame who drove for part of their career with that team, then seemed to be out the door for younger talents. Uh, Eric Jones, then Eric Jones was let go for Christopher Bell. Um, you had Harrison Burton, who was in that Toyota pipeline uh, through JGR. He is gone. Todd Gillen, who um, is now currently in the Cup Series driving for Front Row Racing, but he was in that Toyota pipeline at, K at KBM for a while. Um, Noah Gregson, you know, there's so many drivers who have come through that Toyota pipeline that just, you know, find themselves with other teams or other manufacturers or out of the sport. And, it, and it's very interesting because now Toyota doesn't have that developmental team in the trucks like they did when um, KBM was there. KBM was their, uh, their developmental in that series. And with them going to Toyota, that's going to put a, a huge, huge dent in the armor. Um, I'm not saying Toyota's days are numbered in the sport, but I, I think that's a huge blow. And to use the face of your um, your team, it's it, it's kind of scary. It really is. So, I mean, with that said, you know, who knows where we go in... 2023 and Ford if you're under that Toyota banner um, you know and what this whole wave where you lose the face of your uh, pretty much your entire manufacturer um, racing division you know to a competitor what does that say to future um manufacturers possibly, you know, having interest in the sport, you know. Obviously, for years, Dale Earnhardt and um, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, and later on, Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson were the face of Chevrolet. Ford had Mark Martin for many, many years, and so on and so on. But now we move on to uh, Ford kind of having, you know, Kevin Harvick and and whatnot. What's gonna, you know, who's gonna be the face of Ford once Harvick retires? Uh, will it be a Christopher Busher? Will it be a Chase Briscoe? Um, who can it be? You know, Chevrolet seems to have like locked up who their faces are gonna be. You know, with Chase Elliott and. Uh, Kyle Busch returning to the uh, to the Chevrolet brand, uh, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think like the shift of power really has changed in the sport. Obviously, Chevrolets are pretty much the dominant make out there, um, so Toyota would have to make a major splash because I don't see Thor Sport being a developmental team, you know, whether, you know, we get 2311 starting a truck team or another team that kind of adds 
in that series as a feeder series, uh, a feeder developmental team uh, for some of these young drivers like a Sammy Smith or a um, or a uh, try to think a Chandler Smith, um, who I believe is still contracted to Toyota and JGR um, coming up. So it's going to be very very interesting you know how all this plays out because like i said this is just a driver um changing teams this is going to change it really is going to change the make of the sport uh for years to come and we'll be seeing and hearing it for quite a long time uh but anyway uh we got an answer to the pop quiznos and that is Christopher Buescher went 222 races between wins, which is crazy because um, Bristol was his 250th career cup start. So he won pretty early in his cup career. Then just the well had been dry for quite a long time. Um, but the longest stretch between wins for a cup series driver is 226. And that is by none other than Chase Elliott's own father, Hall of Famer, Bill Elliott, who won his last race in 1994 and would go on through till 2001. And so he never won in his cup career with his own team. After selling his team and being part of Everham Motorsports, uh, he picks up his first team uh after last winning for Junior Johnson in the uh, the Budweiser 11 car, he goes on to the nine of um, Ray Evernham and picks up a win with them. And actually, going to Evernham kind of rejuvenated his career, you know. He won the Brickyard and won a lot of races and was a great mentor to drivers like Casey Atwood and Casey Kane, who had Casey Kane not had his issues, I... His health issues, I think he would have, I think he could have had a really decent career, but I think the window was a little bit shorter with him than it had been with other drivers. So, anyway, with that said, we got Texas this weekend. We'll be seeing who'll be doing, who'll have the dueling six shooters in the cowboy hat um, Sunday night. Um, and possibly, can we have another non playoff driver spoil? Uh, you know, this year's playoffs, we've had three in a row, three in a row. It's the first time a round has been swept by non-playoff drivers. And, um, I think that, I think that's astounding. Can we see four? Um, you know, I know three of the guys who were just eliminated last weekend or this past weekend, um, have all, um, put on that giant Stetson hat in Texas, uh, Harvick, Bush and Austin Dillon. So I wouldn't rule those guys out or I wouldn't rule anybody else out in the field. You never know. I mean, I never would have expected a, a round to be completely swept by three of the um, non-playoff drivers. So with that said, I'm Matt Hardman and I will see you at the track.